Hey, what's going on? This is Billy Newman. I'm here today recording a test podcast with my friend Robert Biscaret. Robert, how you doing? Doing well. How you doing? Doing good, man. I'm uh, happy that we're trying out this uh, FaceTime audio call, and it, it sounds like it's working pretty good. Uh, so we'll try and we'll try and work it out over time to see if it works all right. But I was hoping my audio is coming over to you well. Yeah, everything's coming in loud and clear. Um, I'm excited to do this. It should be fun. Yeah, I know. It'd be cool if, if we can uh, kind of get a rhythm to get down doing it. It would be pretty easy. I mean, gosh, man, you just got your phone right now. That's, that's cake. Um, but yeah, I wanted to do a podcast with you uh, maybe about, well, what I was figuring is just like a lot of the outdoor topics that we're both interested in, you know, or just some of the other stories or camping trips that we've done in the past that would be cool to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't really know anything about anything outdoors related. But, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but I'm you know willing it. to talk. Oh man, you you know plenty, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, I was thinking of uh, well, you should tell us a little bit about some of the raft guide experience that you had in the past, because I think that'd be kind of interesting to start to break down a little bit. Like, so you, you when did you start guiding stuff? Uh, you mean like season, or when did I just start in general? I guess just like rowing or anything like that. Like, like yeah, when did you start in general? Yeah, I started like uh, uh, four years ago, and um, uh, you know, I kind of fell into it. It was something I wanted to do for a long time, but uh, the opportunity really presented itself at, at the time it did. And uh, and wow, man, what an experience! It's uh, it's really interesting learning that um, you don't you take it for granted, or you know, you just kind of assume that it doesn't take much to do, and then uh, you you get behind the oars, and then all of a sudden, it's just really eye opening. You really gain a respect for the people that. Are good at it yeah I, I can only imagine really because i've, I've uh, like i had that job down on the river on the rogue river for a while so i kind of understand yeah. the atmosphere of what's going on down there but like even the times that you rep, let me row just for a few minutes i was like oh my gosh i'm out of it this is a <laughs> this is like a, a talent or this is a skill to build definitely but uh so you so you started the season you did like uh the day trips like the river trips of the, the normal section on the rogue river and then wow. that second year right is when you moved into the wild and scenic section or was it that first year uh you know that first year i kind of got some got some uh training experience down there they wanted me to come down and learn and it yeah. was really nice i uh i was fortunate enough to really learn from some great oarsmen um but yeah so i got down there i wasn't really working down there but i was experiencing it kind of getting a vibe for what it was like um and just kind of getting you know cutting my teeth down there so it was good uh learned a lot but uh you know, even though you learn a lot, nothing oh, yeah. can really prepare you for, for working down there full time. And that was my second season when, when I was asked to come down and do that full time. And um, that was that was crazy, man. Well, I yeah, mean, you're just I working. A, I had a question about that. Like, I wanted to know about one of those first experiences of like, because there's a couple of in the downriver section on the Rogue River. There's the the wild and scenic section of the river to catch people up. And that's how long is that? Is that like forty two miles? 45? Roughly, roughly. Uh, river miles always vary from, sure. the, from the BLM Mark Trail miles, but yeah, right in that ballpark. Okay, yeah, so something like that. So there's this the wild and scenic section where there's really no development or no modern development, and there's a limited amount of rafts that go down through this section each day, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's a permit uh, system through the BLM, Bureau of Land Management, and uh, essentially what they do is they allow 120 people down per day. Um, and I know that sounds like a lot, but in reality, I mean, it's really sparse. You Is really that like don't run boats? into very many people. Uh, it can be as many boats as you like. I mean, it could be 120 boats. Right. Okay. But yeah. But there's a limit of 120 people. Sure. Um, and typically, you're running two to three, um, if you're a private boater, per boat. 
uh, us as a guide company, we're running, you know, six people per boat. So right. Okay. We kind of cons- consolidate a little bit. Yeah. I was wondering how that works. Well, so I know that there's like a couple of those features on that lower rogue section that are like pretty heavy, like blossom bar. And I wanted you to, I remember you told me a story about that. I think, was it like the first <laughs> summer of that where you were, you were like learning how to navigate blossom and like, yeah, I guess for background, like what, how dangerous or like, what is blossom as a, as a feature blossom. in the river? Blossom is this is this rapid that used to be a full day portage around it. Um, commercial trips have been running down there since the early twenties, um, and back then they used to you know camp just above it, take a full day to portage, um, and that was it. Um, in the forties, this guy Glenn Woldridge, who is really the Rogue River pioneer, you know, I mean he's the guy that yeah. that really just you know commercialized this river and just did so much down there. Well, he ended up dynamiting it out, uh, you know, under three separate <laughs> attempts. He blasted massive channel in this thing. Well, I say it's not massive at all, actually. It's just, it's a technical tiny channel. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, he does it in a way that the flood water will send debris off to the side, keeping the channel that he blasted clear and uh, allowing a tricky maneuver through it, um, which yeah. is totally doable. It's entirely dependent on having that move correct um right it's it's a move that it's not that hard we always say it's a class two move with uh with class five consequences yeah the first time i saw it i uh because i hadn't really got to to raft the lower rogue section that many times so the first time i saw it i think was years ago and then a second time when you and i did that backpacking trip down the lower rogue trail so my yeah. first exposure to blossom bar was only ever seeing it kind of from up above i remember the first i remember the first time it was like what 2010 something like that i was on that backpacking trip in september with jeremy we got down to blossom uh-huh. bar we waited maybe five minutes it was cake and we saw this pontoon come through and he's like, yeah, man, watch this. It's going to be like pretty gnarly because this is one of the scariest rapids that are out there. And we saw this pontoon guy come up and he just like slipped it perfectly, just went right in and out and it was nothing. And I was like, oh, that, that looks easy. Like from up here, from, from 80 <laughs> feet away, you're just, everybody's just saying this is going to be like a, a giant, terrible trauma to try and float through. And then you don't really realize until like when you and I did the trip later, I think what, two, like two years ago, a year ago now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a year and a half ago. And I'm looking at a picture right now up on my wall of a of a kayaker coming in right in the pocket of that spot in blossom bar and i remember now being there with you how what was it an 18 foot raft that was just edge to edge against the rock that you had to kind of skirt it right swing it right in between yeah uh so it's a it's a tight boat for uh anything i mean well when you were there that kayaker got this pretty serious trouble for a minute that was scary to watch that was a hairy situation yeah that that definitely uh kind of solidified again that that it's a it's a pretty big deal or it's like a a dangerous spot yeah it's you know it's one of those rapids you know um an experience from a lot of people i've met that have you know rafted big class five water um they kind of look at it with this like you know oh that's your big scary rapid approach um and it's not a big deal you know it's not a big deal until you mess it up and then when you mess it up you you learn how quickly um it changes the game. And I mean, what a humbling sure. experience to go from like, oh, yeah, it's, it's nothing. And then you find yourself in very serious trouble very quickly. So tell me about that, Robert. So when was it that you first you first navigated Blossom as a guide yourself or as, a, <laughs> as just a boater yourself? 
So, yeah, I guess that was, what, 2014? 2000, yeah, somewhere sounds there. about right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I get out there. Um, you know, I've been rowing for all of two weeks. Um, I kind of got this job for <laughs> just kind of saying, yeah, I know what I'm doing. And on, on, the, <laughs> on the premise that I would uh, just be able to figure it out in a short amount of time. Um, so anyway, I get down there. I'm shadowing a great uh, oarsman that I was stoked to learn from. Um, cool. Yeah. And uh, so he's taking me down, you know, kind of giving me the overview of all these rapids before we get there. Yeah. And, um, and just to mention quickly, I mean, it's not like the first thing on the river's blossom. There's a lot of things to get through the, that I wouldn't want to do for my first time. Well, <laughs> yeah. And so that was, that was the cool thing is, uh, you know, I had this awesome day running with him. I can, you know, you're, you can see him up about 60 yards up in the distance and you're kind of watching what he's doing and mimicking it. And, um, you know, the first day was great, man. I, it gave me a, a really false sense of confidence. I, you know, I came through that first day just being like, man, I'm, I'm pretty good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, so day two, you know, we make it through Mule Creek Canyon, which is a really tight, that is tight area. Yeah. Um, we get through there and we get down into Blossom and he's like, yeah, hey, this is the one, man. You know, good luck to you. And uh, the unfortunate part of about that is you can't really see what the oarsman in front of you is doing oh, really? uh, when they go because right. you have to kind of you have to eddy out above it. I remember the perspective; they kind of drop away, like they're just yeah gone. Yeah, it's it's really it's just like they drop off and kind of disappear, and you just kind of have to. I mean, you count to ten, and hopefully you see them. You know, oh, you know, kind of uh, peek out from behind the rocks. So finally you know i count to 10 and he comes through and i go okay you know and um i guess i just had a terrible interpretation of what i was supposed to do there um and i made the mistake that i've seen a lot of people make since then standing up on the bank and watching other boaters oh yeah and um you know it's it's a really big it's a heavy pull move in there you're pulling you need all that strength because you're working against the current in there right i remember and, i remember you prepping us for it like when we get in we yeah. gotta pull we gotta pull back we gotta pull back yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, it, you're trying to catch this Eddie to slow you down because you've got a lot of momentum going through there. Um, you know, I was, I was taught to push, uh, push on the oars rather than pull. Um, so I come in trying to push it, obviously not strong enough. Um, I, <laughs> I missed that major, that major move, uh, just the, you know, that pivotal move coming in there. I miss it. Um, I get slammed up against what's called the wrap rock on the picket fence. Yeah. And um, for anybody listening, the picket fence is a series of rocks because of the dynamiting um, that kind of sit up almost like uh, fingers out of the water um, with just about enough space for a person to get wedged in. Just They're to just, get sucked uh, right into and stuck in. Yeah. Perfect. A lot of sieves in there and Ugh. just a place you absolutely don't want to be. Um, Absolutely right. You know, long story short, I get the I get pushed up against there. Um, the boat is you know listing. I'm trying to throw. I'm trying to get it around. Get my channel. Um, boy, and just an idea of how strong water is. You know, I've I'm not a big guy, but I'm throwing all my weight onto these oars and just doing everything I can. I've got adrenaline going, everything, and I mean the current just grabs this oar and just shoots it in the air like ten feet, like a rocket. I don't even know how it happened. Um, oh my gosh. but it just launches it. And at this moment I go, 
oh no <laughs> you know <laughs> and, thing uh, is that i need that one yeah and it's it's amazing how like you know time slows down in those scenarios um but it grabs it grabs my upstream tube it sucks it under the boat starts to flip um i don't know how this ended up happening i ended up scrambling up over the raft as it's flipping and i land onto this rock called the rap rock um my boat flips it goes down in the channel and i watch it go right by Ugh. me um a lack of experience made me think i would be safer not jumping on the boat um <laughs> in retrospect i don't know why i didn't jump back on the boat <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the more you know yeah things things you learn after uh, almost drowning. yeah yeah and uh so I end up on this rock, you know, and to give you an idea of the size of the rock, it's about two and a half feet by two and a half feet. And, um, I'm standing out there, um, you know, on this rock in the picket fence, the most dangerous part of Blossom Bar and, uh, no way out, you know, you're oh like, well, gosh. I'm not going to jump in the water here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, um, a, a, a bittersweet situation came up. I mean, it was fortunate for me, unfortunate for the other boaters, but uh, some private boaters had come down, and they had wrapped their boat far left at the fence. And um, really, I mean, I, I'm fairly certain they lost that boat entirely. Oh, wow. um, But fortunately, there was a guy on the bank with a throw rope. Um, he was able to throw a rope out to me and pull me back across to safety. Um, but, I mean, the whole thing from start to finish ended up taking about an hour and a half. Really? Um, I didn't yeah. realize it was that long of a time that you were like that you were out there just stuck. Well, yeah, you know, you're out there, and uh, first off, they're dealing with their situation, which sure. is a pretty high stress situation. Yeah. Um, but then he comes out to me. It's a it's a far throw. Um, it's you know you you got to be careful you're not slipping or something. Um, yeah. You know, but it it took like twenty throws to get me the rope. And then each time you got to bring the rope back in, coil it back up, get it flaked back out, and then try it again. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, an experience. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm looking at a picture of, of the zone where it would have happened right now. And I'm just kind of spotting like the picket fence, the rocks, uh -huh. like where the, the people were to the left of the river. That sounds like a crazy time though. But so it was, so your raft went down river or like, was it, did it deflate? No, I got so lucky. Oh my I gosh. I got everything wow. back. Uh, the oars ended up back with it. Um, you know, the only thing I lost was my cot, which I was getting a lot of uh, a lot of flack for anyway, just because it was a super heavy, cumbersome cot, and everybody was like, "You need to get <laughs> rid of that thing." That's not gonna last. Yeah. <laughs> get rid of that thing. That's bad gear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the so river took gone. it. Yeah, yep. man, that's a nuts yeah. story, though. That's a crazy thing. Have you ever? Had, yeah. It, like, how many yeah. other close calls did, did like your team have that season, or like, or since then, or is that is that kind of often that you guys run into that? Um, you know, <laughs> I didn't think it was a very a very frequent thing um, until you go down and you watch people that aren't down there every day, right? And you can stand there for an hour, and if there's boats coming through, um, you know, I would say one in ten boats has a run the way it's supposed to go through. Oh my gosh. Um, I would say 90% of the boats that go through, they either get really lucky and, uh, the river smiles on them that day and they get to move on. Yeah. Um, or they end up in trouble and flip a boat or rip a floor out or something. I watched the guy wrap his kayak. 
Man, I was thinking about it though in like 2012, and you probably know these guys. Back in, I think it was 2012 when Marina and I were camping down there for two days. That was like the beginning of October, the fishing season had started. And I remember yeah. sitting out there with the camera watching this like beautiful, like hardwood polished drift boat <laughs> just cruise right through there. Like it's like it's just nothing. Like you just steer yeah. on a bus or something. Like it's, it's easy. But yeah, you just like see that guy float right through. And like pull out to the side in the right spot. And you just think, wow, how does that guy do that with such like a fragile machine? You know, the drift boats are really such an art. And I, I've been fortunate enough. I, I got to run a season down there with it, with mine this year. That's and, so um, cool. It's a boy. You really increase the stress by, you know, tenfold. Um, you don't have the luxury of bouncing like you do with a rubber raft. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, any mistake is really a potential boat sinking experience. Ugh. Um so it's, you know, by the time you're rowing a drift boat down there, you really understand what you're doing and where these channels are. Um, and the other neat thing about a drift boat is the way they're designed is they're like a Ferrari. Not, I'm not downplaying the difficulty of, of what's going on in sure. them. Yeah. Um, you know, they're easier to maneuver, but the stakes are higher. Um, and so it's it's just important that you make those moves like that. And it's it's an art to watch drift boaters go down there. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it seems it seems amazing, like how they're just able to hit that line so perfectly and just move right yeah. to the spot. It's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's pretty nuts time though. That sounds like a crazy first time. And then what since then? How many times have you done the lower rogue after that? Ah uh, man, I would kind of rough number I, like. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out. I would say 70 times maybe. Wow. 70 yeah. runs of the river. You just even like so like that's just a couple of years too. That's probably a ton of experience. It is. I mean, it's still there's still so much to learn. Every time you go down, you learn something new or some some scenario that you've never planned for or even thought about happens. Yeah. You know, just the most obscure thing and you go, "Wow, okay. I learned <laughs> something from that, you know." <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that's pretty cool, man. I'm really glad you finished up this season and that, that you got that drift boat too and that trailer. I did, yeah. I, I purchased think that's pretty that cool. this year. Got into the fishing gig, um, you know, rowing down there with some really great oarsmen. And uh, I mean, really getting that drift boat experience down there. It's yeah. yeah nerve wracking, but so rewarding. Yeah, it sounds really cool. We got to find a mellow spot of water that you and I can go out on sometime in your drift boat. I want to check it out. Yeah, I want to take you guys out. I'd like to do some fly fishing. Um, I mean, you know, that's what I want to do. Is I'd oh, like to get so you guys cool. out there and actually give you guys a fishing trip, man. Oh, that'd be I so mean, fun. I'd love to do something you know, like that. Yeah. Yeah, those trips are expensive. So, I mean, you know, you got to capitalize on knowing <laughs> you got to capitalize on knowing somebody who's a good guy, man. That's going to be great. Yeah, you're set up, man. You got all the gear. So, that's going to be pretty yeah. cool. We'll look yeah, forward to it. Yeah, right after your honeymoon this summer, you can just, you can just put us on a fishing trip. I think that's a good idea. That sounds great to me. The fall time, that's where it's at. <laughs> well, you know, the honeymoon's going to happen, and then I'm just not going to want to work at all. I'm going to be out of it, you know. It's going to be like, I don't want to go back to work. We should just go fishing. <laughs> so that's a great Hey, time. man, I'll be in. I think it'd be great. <laughs> I'll be acclimated to time off. As much as I can monopolize your time, that'd be great. <laughs> I'm in, man. I think it'd be fun. But, yeah, we got to plan some good camping trips this summer, and uh, I want to get you back back east in, like, eastern Oregon or, you know, some some other river. I don't know how we'd do it, but we should just get out, get out and go camping somewhere else, too. You know, I'd, I'd like to get the raft uh, and get out there on, like, the Hawaii or, like, 
John Day or something like oh, that. Oh, that'd be cool. I don't, I don't know anything you know, about him. I don't know what a, a raft ship is like out there, but it just seems cool to like go out to a different spot, spots that maybe we've camped before, but you know, there's mm-hmm. like that river access and we've just never, never gone down it or explored it. Seems like it'd be fun. Yeah. There's a lot of neat rivers out there. I love that area. I mean, you know, we've always been going out there. Um, but yeah, those rivers are both known for just being incredibly scenic, you know, class three water at best, um, you know, not very technical water. Uh, and just really like an awesome experience from what I understand. No, I got, obviously got to do a little homework on it. but <laughs> we'll, we'll study up and then we'll, we got to plan a trip out this summer. It'd be cool. Nah, let's go blind. <laughs> we'll just we'll just jump in get some floaties yeah. <laughs> hit the river that'll be a good time man well thanks robert for doing yeah. this podcast i really appreciate it hanging out for a few yeah. minutes talking about uh, that backstory that's a that's a amazing story it's just like a crazy time so i'm glad you uh pulled it off <laughs> me too yeah i think it worked out <laughs> it worked out in everybody's best interest no man so. it's really cool well yeah i really want to get you back on and i want to set up uh, a few more of these to do to do some shows like this where we get to talk about some of the outdoor stuff that, uh, that you've done. Even just that, man, like going through a cool story that you had of like some kind of tense situation. I think that's going to be really fun. Well, yeah. And you know, I mean, the cool thing is we've done enough of these, uh, these things together that, uh, I, I don't think we have any shortage of stories to share. I was thinking the same thing about it. <laughs> I think it'd be cool. All right. Robert. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you, man. I'm gonna let you yeah. go. And, um, uh, I wanted to say thank you very much, Robert. And thanks for, uh, I guess anybody that ends up listening to this podcast. On behalf of Robert Biscarette, my name is Billy Newman, and thank you very much for listening to this podcast.